Welcome to the One in One podcast, where a below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Danielle Rosh, who played basketball for the University of Michigan from 2018 to 2022 and was a starting point guard for the Wolverines' Elite Eight run this past season. Her post-game speech in the press conference following the Elite Eight game went viral, really summing up all the good in college athletics. Danielle now works as a graduate assistant for the Clemson women's basketball team. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And I obviously can't have you on without talking about the viral video. And I have to assume that, you know, when you gave the speech in the press conference, it was following a a brutal loss, your career's over, you're not thinking in your head, hey, I'm going to go and say something that's going to break the internet. You were just speaking from the heart. And like I said, I thought it really summed up all the good in college athletics. But what was your reaction later that night when you saw it was all over the internet? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty taken back because obviously, like you just said, you know, having that tough loss and realizing my career was over and, you know, having to go do media after you just been crying in the locker room for 20 minutes um, wasn't on the top of my list. So, um, you know, Nas and I kind of tried to put on a brave, brave face and, you know, do our best to kind of handle each question with poise and I obviously lost my voice <laughs> after the first question came about, you know, I think the exact question was like, what are you going to remember most from the past four years? And I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> just kick me while I'm down. So I guess I just kind of basically, like you said, I spoke from the heart and it's just, I guess it sounded pretty good. But even after, like when I was listening to it again, like after people were like, that was like one of the best speeches ever. I didn't even really think anything of it. I was like, what did I say that was really that good? Like, I was just talking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what you said that was good. It was was quite a bit, you know, you start off saying how you thought you might not play at Michigan. We'll get into it. You really worked for your position on the team. You talked about how, you know, you played with an All-American and Nas Hillman, now a WNBA player, but she's also your best friend, which was great. You know, just talking about the Michigan tradition how your recruiting class had made you know you guys made it the furthest you ever made it to the elite eight which is a big step so it's just just really cool and really great in the age and we'll, we'll talk about this like the age of the college transfer where you know it seems like if you're not playing 37 minutes a night the transfer portal is an easy easy option and you, you, mm-hmm. you said you know i had to work for my position and just overall it was great Thank you. Of course, of course. And you brought up a good point. It really sucks that kids have to go into the locker room (laughs) after these career ending losses and speak to media. Yeah, it was it was not fun when we, you know, because it ended up being that we, you know, we all cried and Coach Coach Rico gave her spiel and, you know, the seniors, we all got a chance to speak and then they're like, okay, like Nas and Danielle, you have to go to media. And I'm like, I don't even want to leave this room right now. I don't want to leave these people like, and yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was emotional to begin with um, and continued to be that way. But looking back on it, you know, I don't, you know, not, not negatively emotional, I guess. Obviously I would have, we would have loved to win and we would have loved to have made it to the final four, but kind of, like I said, then it's still, you know, I still feel the same way about it now is like, we, we did something that's never been done in Michigan women's basketball history. And that was, in that moment, that's all I could, 
you know, be grateful for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot to be proud of. So, Danielle, let's take it back a step to the beginning. You're from Syracuse, New York. Or do you say Syracuse? My my Jersey accent makes me say Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, I say Syracuse. <laughs> okay, my bad. I'll try, I'll try. No, it's fine. <laughs> you grew up in an athletic family. Dad played college basketball at LeMoyne. Your mom played college volleyball at LeMoyne. I'm assuming that's where they met. And your brother, yep. Jack, played at Florida Southern. He played basketball. So... Wow, just a really incredibly athletic family right there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely grew up playing a ton of different sports and being very competitive with my older brother and all of them. And how much older is he than you? He's three years older than me. Okay, all right, so similar ages. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming you got into basketball through Jack starting to play at first? Yes. And my dad coaching us, you know, from an early age and, you know, our youth program and stuff. So we kind of just grew up. It's not that, like, basketball was forced on me in any type of way, but, like, my dad coaching and my brother playing, I was like, what, what, why wouldn't I want to do basketball? And then, you know, I played a bunch of different sports, like I said, but, I mean, basketball was always my favorite. Yeah, yeah. What other sports did you play? I played, growing up, I played travel softball, and then I had to pick between travel softball and AAU, and I guess luckily I picked AAU, (laughs) Um, and I also played soccer and lacrosse and golf, actually. Oh, wow. So you were uh, very athletic. I had a couple different things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, good decision to pick AAU over softball, because in Syracuse, it's it's cold out there, and you're starting, you know, in the spring, and you go through the fall, like, it gets cold, so don't blame me for picking the indoor sport. (laughs) Were you a big Syracuse Orange fan? Yeah, very big, very big. Um, Always loved going to the Dome to watch games. I mean, for Halloween, like three years in a row, I was just a Syracuse basketball player. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it's a bummer, at least for the men's program, since they went to the ACC. It hasn't been all that good for them, but hoping they'll they'll return to glory. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how old were you when you started AAU? Um, I think I joined my first team in fifth grade, which was just like a local travel team. Okay. All right. Very nice. And you Mm -hmm. obviously went up through high school and for high school, you attend Bishop Ludden in Syracuse. You have an insanely good basketball career there. You finish as the school's all-time leading scorer. Now, does that include boys and girls or just girls? That's a good question. I am not sure. We'll say you're the all-time leader. <laughs> yeah, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. You once had a quadruple double. I mean, I imagine you remember that game. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> that's insane. Wow. Uh, you're also a member of two sectional championship teams. You were MVP in both those championships. You're two-time All-Central New York Player of the Year. And what's really cool is you also won a lot of leadership and spirit awards in high school. So, you know, you weren't only getting it done on the basketball court. You're getting it done in the classroom and the community as well. And actually, we'll talk about it, but it's kind of the same way at Michigan as well. Yeah, no, I mean, those aspects were, you know, equally as important to me, Mm -hmm. um, you know, growing up and at Michigan. Yeah, very nice. So tell me a little bit about your recruiting process. What schools were involved and why did you ultimately choose Michigan? Yeah, I mean, my recruiting process 
started um, about like my freshman year, um, and it was it was honestly a lot of mid-major schools. Like I, I had a lot of mid-major interests, a lot of low Division One interests, and not really any Power Five interests um, until very late um, into the process, like to my junior year. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I went on a ton of visits on officials, and I did the whole thing, but nowhere like nowhere clicked for me nowhere felt like home um that is until i i got to michigan um my dad played for coach beeline at lemoyne actually um oh, nice. so yeah when coach beeline was coaching at michigan on the men's side him and my dad had, were just catching up one time and my dad just mentioned to him that we were headed down to a tournament and you know if if Coach Rico was around or at the tournament. Maybe she could stop by and watch me play. So Coach Beeline put in the plug for me, and Michigan ended up coming to watch me at that tournament, and I played pretty well. Um, and I got on campus for a visit shortly thereafter, um, and they offered me. And then I, I wasn't ready to quite commit right then and there, but I was like, that's like that's pretty cool. But I'm like, that's my only like big-time offer. Like I know that I can go – to a mid-major school where I'm like very wanted and will likely play a ton. Um, but let me, so let me just like take everything into consideration. Mm -hmm. So I went back to Michigan for one more visit and I mean, it, I got that feeling like this, this is the place that I need to be. And I, I didn't commit in person because I was like, I, I, I didn't think I could do it. And then we got in the car and not even like 20 minutes away from campus and I called Coach Rico and I was like, hey, I actually do want to commit. So <laughs> I committed over the phone at, right after I left campus. Um, and I mean, it, it felt right. Like everything about it. I was so confident in this decision that I made and obviously feel very special. Michigan is a very special place to me and I feel very strongly that, you know, to this day that that was the right decision. Yeah, no, it absolutely was the right decision. It's a beautiful campus. Also, academically, one of the best public schools in the nation. So it has the athletics, obviously, but also really strong academics, which you had already said was really important to you. Yeah, I mean, some some uh, some rankings do call it the number one public university. Um, All right, we'll so. go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And had you been familiar with Kim Barnes or Rico from her days at St. John's? I mean, I know Syracuse and New York City aren't super close together, but she had coached in New York for a ton of years. Yeah, honestly, to be completely honest with you, no, not not at all. Um, but after like hearing about kind of her pathway into coaching and ending up at St. John's and some of the success she had there, such as beating UConn. Um, I wish I, I wish I did. But by that time, like when I was growing up, I was, I was just playing basketball. I wasn't really, I wasn't really involved in all the watching and the keeping up with things quite yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were young then too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with Coach Barnes Rico. She's originally from New Jersey, which is my home <laughs> state. She recruits well in that area. Um, you know, Michelle Sador plays. Obviously, Caitlin Flaherty plays, played there and had a great yeah. career. Um, but I have to pat myself on the back. When I heard that she was getting the Michigan job, I mean, what's that's got to be like eight years ago? from now or, or now oh, it's but almost, it's almost 10 i 10, think wow. career will be 10. i'm yeah. getting old wow but <laughs> i said you know she's a great coach st john's a small smaller school harder to get the recruits but michigan i mean 
you just said it. it's a great campus it's a great academic school i said you know she's gonna turn that around it might take a few years but i think she's going to build a good program there and you guys just got to elite eight it seems like now every recruit like michigan is in their top 10 but it's yeah. uh yeah so i'm patting myself on the bat i called that one <laughs> good call right how was it though moving so far from home yeah, I mean, I definitely factored that into my whole recruiting process. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm, like, too much of a homebody, so I did want to go somewhere that was far enough away but also close enough that, like, I could see my family from time to time, which <laughs> did work out that way, which was nice. Um, but, like, distance wasn't the biggest thing for me, um, and obviously I have a pretty small family even outside of my immediate family. Um, and they all were able to come to games and I was able to see them. So it wasn't, it wasn't overly difficult, I guess, you know, okay, where some people good. have a really hard transition because they move very far away. I felt like I was at a good enough distance where, you know, if I needed anything or if I needed to come home that I was going to be able to. Um, mm. And I mean, like I have alluded to, in my interview and whatever, like, my love for my classmates, like, how close we were made the entire transition so much easier because, like, we were instant best friends. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And let's get into your recruiting class. Uh, it's probably the best ever. You know, Nas Hill Hillman <laughs> is, I think, the best player to play Michigan women's basketball. Amy Dilk, Emily Kaiser, and uh, I know she wasn't originally a part of the class. She transferred in later, but uh, Leah Brown... So, I mean, yeah. really good. And you guys do seem pretty close. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from, from the jump, we, we really got along well. And we're all very similar in the way that we just love to play and love to be in the gym. And, you know, when it came to off the court, like, we did everything together. Um, whether that was staying up late in the dorms or getting dinner, like, whatever it was, like, we, we got very, very close and, I think that helped us kind of build the chemistry that we ended up having in year four. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. The chemistry this past year, you could tell you guys actually liked each other and enjoyed playing basketball <laughs> together. You don't see that with every team. No, for sure. And you get to campus summer of 2018. How was that transition as far as basketball? Cause you know, you're at a small high school where you're the big fish in a small pond. And now you're at one of the biggest schools in the nation and a freshman on a power five basketball team. Yeah, definitely. Shell shocking, I guess. I mean, I mean, I would be lying if I said there wasn't plenty of times up until even my junior year where I was like, did I make the right decision? Am I cut out for this? Like, I mean, like we kind of talked about earlier with the transfer portal, um, it was it was a question. Like, it was a thought in my head. I can't sit here and tell you that I, I didn't think about it. I obviously mm -hmm. didn't end up doing it, but I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it all the way through. Um, like, coming from Ludden, where I graduated with 56 other people, and I was on varsity for five years, like, I just... I had, I was comfortable. I was comfortable in what I was doing. I was comfortable, you know, being the star in my own respect. And then I came to Michigan and I was 15 out of 15 on the totem pole. So it was definitely an adjustment, but how I got even 
Michigan to come watch me was, you know, through my work ethic and doing the intangible things that were going to make a difference. Um, so I, that's, that's where I knew things were going to happen for me if I just continue to do those things consistently. Yeah, yeah. And I've, you know, I've read articles over the year. And in those articles, you know, your teammates are saying that you're the hardest worker on the team. You have like the most respect. Um, so yeah, you just keep working hard, pushing through. You will get there, but it is tough those first couple of years for a lot of freshmen, even if they are playing some minutes. The interesting thing about your recruiting, your recruiting class too, is there were two point guards in that class, you and Amy Dilk, you know, so it wasn't like you were playing behind someone that was two years older. Amy was in your grade, so her four years and unfortunately she did experience some injuries but you know looking back you were probably thinking oh I'm going to be behind her all four years yeah absolutely I mean a lot of people have people above them in their position that are upperclassmen usually so they're like okay I just have to wait my turn Mm -hmm. well unfortunately my turn (laughs) was waiting because I was with my classmate who was an outstanding point guard and player coming out of high school um so it definitely was, um, I don't want to say discouraging, but it was, it was definitely harder thinking that, you know, my chance isn't going to be because she graduates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when she graduates, I graduate. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, you're playing in the Big Ten, which Big, Ten's, Big Ten women's basketball has been a beast of a conference, especially over the past few years. Last year, they were the best conference. Like, I won't hear any arguments. They were clearly the best. (laughs) Um, And I I don't know how closely you probably have been following the realignment with college football. Depending on where more dominoes fall, Big Ten could be the power conference going forward for women's basketball. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you said, going forward, but I think especially in recent years, it, it has been. Like, we just, we compete every single game. And not a lot of conferences have that where, you know, every time they go play a conference game, like, it could, anybody could win. Like, I think the, the gap between, like, the rankings or whatever the teams has lessened so much because everyone's just becoming so much more competitive. And, I mean, I love it that way. I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. It prepares you for March, like, and things like that. And I think we're all really appreciative of having to play Maryland twice and Iowa and everyone because then you're ready for whoever you're going to face in the tournament. Exactly. And there's really no days off in the Big Ten. Even if you're playing the last uh, seeded team, that's still going to be a battle. Yeah. Who was your biggest competitor? Was it Michigan State or Ohio State as far as rivals go? Oh, man. I think it was, it was Michigan State for us. Ohio State, it kind of went, went back and forth. Um, but I didn't feel as strongly about Ohio State as I did about Michigan State. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different on the basketball court. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And football then, can have their own rivalry. <laughs> yeah, right. But speaking of football, you're at this huge campus. Did you go to a lot of the football games? Yeah, we did. We were actually able to go to a lot of them, and we would recruit. We would bring recruits to them, and you know, even got to enjoy some weekends where we didn't have recruiting and we didn't have practice. We just got to go to a game, and it was it's unreal with 110,000 people in one stadium. <laughs> yeah, isn't it the largest college football stadium there is? Yeah. Wow. 
That is awesome. <laughs> so freshman year, really good year for Michigan. You guys go 22 and 12, make it to the second round of the tournament. You play in 22 games, so it's not like you're just sitting on the bench. You average about five minutes a game, which I understand is frustrating, but you're still a freshman. And in my opinion, a backup point guard is one of the most important positions on a basketball team. It's like the most selfless position. You're spelling the starter, and you're expected to keep the offense running. Yeah, and um, I think... Kind of how we talked about me being behind my own classmate. My freshman year being behind or being Amy's backup was probably the best thing that could have happened to me from a growth standpoint of mm-hmm. becoming the point guard I was my senior year. Um, because I obviously wasn't on the court a whole lot. So I had to find a way to impact the game and impact my team in another way. And that came by knowing the plays like the back of my hand and helping Amy call out a play or telling her what was working or what wasn't working and knowing the scout extremely well. So like from the mental aspect, I just improved tremendously my freshman year from having to do those things. And Mm -hmm. so sure it wasn't fun sitting on the bench, but I was able to make the most of it by improving myself in that aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you improve going into sophomore year. Your minutes go up pretty much double. You're averaging 11 now. Um, probably would have been more. Unfortunately, you had a hand injury that kept you out for, what, about a month? Yeah, it was about six weeks um, when I broke my hand. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I had to get uh, two plates and six screws. So. Oh, wow, so you had surgery. Yes, yes, I had third. I yeah, I completely broke my hands, which was not ideal. No, no, and uh, not an ideal year for anyone. Um, but another good season for Michigan, twenty-one and eleven. Um, unfortunately, you fall in the Big Ten tournament semis to Ohio State, and then a few days later, the NCAA cancels the NCAA tournament because of COVID. What was that like going through it as a student athlete? It was, it was insane. And, um, we always, we joke about this story now, but it was really not funny then. And it's really not funny now, but when they started like canceling school, like, you know, we're standing after practice and, um, Amy Mulligan, our Jobo is coming in and be like, okay, like can't classes are canceled tomorrow. Like this is canceled. This is canceled. And like, here I am like cheering that like class is canceled because of COVID <laughs> and coach Rico, like, snapped at me and she's like you know that means we probably aren't gonna play (laughs) and I was like in the moment like I didn't even think about it like I didn't even think anything like that could ever happen yeah so it was it was crazy it was to have to like pack up all our things and like move out of the dorm and be home for such an extended period of time especially being a student athlete like you really don't get much time at home once you get to college so when we were home for like such an extended period it was it was a, a big adjustment honestly yeah, I mean, how long overall? Because I, did you go back for summer classes and summer workouts, or was that canceled too? We went, yeah, no, we went back late in the summer. So, I mean, we were home from, from March until July. So wow. it, was, it was longer than usual. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. And you guys would have gotten a, a pretty high seed in the tournament and done well. So I, uh, just a bummer. Yeah. And then were you guys able to communicate via Zoom? Did you guys, like, have team meetings once every couple days? 
Yeah, we did. We had a bunch of team Zooms and that was when TikTok became like a huge thing. <laughs> so we started like sending TikToks and we would do some film stuff like in groups on Zoom and things like that. So we, we stayed engaged and stayed in touch, but it was, it was hard not being able to be with each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And during COVID, the NCAA really eased up the transfer rules in the portal. And you you mentioned that you had considered it. I mean, many athletes do. You're not the first one to admit that. Um, but, you know, with it being lifted and with you basically being able, if you wanted to transfer, you could play right away somewhere else. How, what was what made you decide not to? I knew that I wasn't going to get anything better than Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it, that's what kind of what happened during my recruiting process too. Like I didn't know how I could tell the university of Michigan, no, I I'm not coming there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's like when we're, when we, we have recruits on, I'm like, Oh, I need to know what these other schools are doing because like there wasn't even a doubt in my mind that I needed to come to the university of Michigan. Um, and also just like who I am as a person and, who my parents raised me to be is like, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to give up because I wasn't playing in the moment. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, moments of, like you said, when I started my sophomore year that like, I knew I was capable and I knew I could do it. And, you know, coach Rico and I had extensive conversations about where I was at, what I needed to be better at. And, you know, she, she even told me one time that I was probably never going to play more than 20 minutes in a game my entire career. <laughs> um, so we, we had those real conversations and, and at that point, it just became, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. So from, from then on, like, it was, it was always like I just wanted to, I wanted to prove to myself more than anybody that, like, I was going to stick it out and it was going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. No, that is, that is so nice to hear. Do you ever throw it back in uh, Coach Rico's face now? Which oh, said? yeah, a lot of <laughs> my teammates do, too. They're like, because she said it in front of the whole team. Ooh. And it was the middle of the huddle. <laughs> And it was, like, supposed to be a compliment, I think, because, like, she was talking about how I was, like, the hardest worker and should be playing the most on the team, but that I never was going <laughs> to. And oh then I was, like, God. I feel like that was a compliment for, like, a second, but then it really wasn't. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, and you, there's no reason to transfer if you like the school, if you like your teammates, which you clearly do. So I, mm-hmm. the transfer portal is out of control right now, in my opinion. So, like, stories like yours are so refreshing. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, how was your relationship over your four years with head coach Kim Barnzarico? Um, it was it was up and down. It was interesting. I mean, we had our good days and our bad days, like anyone does. But we were so similar, and I have such like a coach's mind that you know we we butt heads all the time, and we also agreed on a ton of things. So we had some healthy debate and, you know, I mean, hearing that she never thought I was going to play more than 20 minutes. Like I still loved her. And I, but I would tell her all the time, like that I was going to prove her wrong and that I would show her wrong. And that's exactly what she wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Like she wanted my senior year to happen exactly the way that it did. I truly believe that. Um, and I'm so grateful that it did work out that way and that, you know, she gave me that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I'm very grateful for her and obviously we've had conversations about me wanting to get into coaching um so playing under her for four years has definitely prepared me to kind of step into that role in the near future 
Nice, nice. And from a spectator point of view, like from my point of view, Coach Barzarigo is just a really easy coach to root for. She seems really nice. You know, she's well-spoken. The culture she has built at Michigan is really something else. So just really easy to root for her. Yeah, I'm with you on everything. <laughs> but the really nice one, mm, it depends on the day. Yeah, no, I I'm guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you might come to a practice and change your mind. No, true, I'm true. kidding. Great. She is. I mean, you want to talk about someone that really, like, earned their spot in this in the coaching world, I mean, she's so much more respected than ever before, and she, she's earned it, and the way that she worked her way up um, and had to really grind for it and work really hard, and, you know, that's, some, that's a similarity that we share, and um, I, I always respected her for that and appreciated her for that. I love the glasses look, too. She's been rocking that the past <laughs> few years. It works for yeah, her. Yeah, no, she loves the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> So for junior year, you go back to campus in 2021. How was campus life like at that point? Because you know, Michigan, in a normal year, one of the biggest schools, there's people everywhere. But I imagine for most of 2021, it was, it was remote learning. And you as a basketball team were probably told to stay away from as many people as possible. Yeah, it was, it was to the gym and home. <laughs> there wasn't really much else. I mean even in within that year, like campus was so dead. Yes. Because of remote learning, like people just stayed home. So no one was really on campus. So at that point it was, it was mostly only athletes and there were some athletes that didn't even get their season. I mean, we were lucky enough to be able to have games, obviously not in an ideal space with no fans and testing every single day, but we were at least able to, um, but we had to be super cautious and we had to, make really hard decisions sometimes because you know at the end of the day it was you never really got a break from your team and sometimes you need one yeah um so it was it was a challenge to not be able to kind of live as a normal student athlete at that time yeah i can't even imagine i feel bad for the college students that had to go through that i mean you were in college for four years you probably only got two normal years out of it. And I don't even know how, you know, I, if you would even define 2022 as normal, you might've only gotten one really. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, just awful. I mean, not going and you know, it's the basketball side of it too, but it's just being an, a, a student part of it where mm-hmm. you're not getting the social life because there's nothing going on. You're not in class a lot. It's a lot of zoom, which I imagine is really boring. It just, yeah. just feel for you guys. <laughs> And I'm glad that the NCAA gave everyone an extra year just for that reason alone, not even the, the basketball or whatever sport it is, just for the being able to be on a campus for another year. I agree, yeah. So junior year, 16 and 6, obviously there were canceled games that year. Michigan is a three seed in the tournament. High expectations going in. However, starting point guard Amy Dill can't go. She's out for the tournament. So here you are, named the starting point guard for a three-seed team in the NCAA tournament. No pressure at all. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) What was going through your mind when Coach Barnes-Rico told you? Um, Not a whole lot because I didn't even know I was starting until shoot-around before the Florida Gulf Coast game. I didn't really honestly even have time to 
to even think about it. It there was at that point it was just like I have no other choice other than to just like go be great. So that yeah. was kind of my mindset. I I mean she told me during shoot around before the game and I went out there and I was just like like I know that I can do this. Like, you just have to go and do it. And I think you know again a testament to my teammates is like every single one of them had the utmost confidence in me, which mm-hmm. made it that much easier. Um, just knowing that they all had my back and believed in me. Um, it, it was, you know, I was, obviously I was nervous, but it wasn't, it wasn't as scary as it could have been um, because I had such great teammates and coaches who supported me and, you know, made me feel like I was ready for the moment. Yeah, absolutely. But like we talked about before, in news articles I've read, your team just has only positive things to say. So they definitely had your back out there. That's great, too, that you didn't know about it. You didn't have time to be nervous. You only had a, a like, what, a half hour? That's, um, or half the day? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love when this stuff happens in sports. You've worked hard all three years, and now is your moment. Obviously, I don't love that, that Dilk got hurt, but... You know, the show must go on and uh, you get the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you never want to have injuries and circumstances to be that way. But I mean, even having Amy's support in that in that instance was I mean, it meant the world to me. She texted me before the games and, you know, helped me remain positive and focused. And, you know, I definitely had to lean on her in that time as well. Mm hmm. And as a starter, you only help lead Michigan to the first Sweet 16 appearance. So pretty good job, in my opinion. (laughs) Thanks. And tell me about those tournament games, because first round is against Florida Gulf Coast, and they're a top 25 team at that point. Second round, you're playing Tennessee. I mean, they're Tennessee. They're one of the best programs (laughs) in history. And then in the Sweet 16, you face number five Baylor. So... Those three games, I mean, it's not like any of those were easy. No, certainly not. I mean, even starting with Florida Gulf Coast, I'm, I'm big into film and, like, looking at the shot chart and stuff and looking over there, it's like they literally shot, like, 53s a game. And I was like, how in the heck are we supposed to stop them from shooting threes? Because it was either going to be a three or it was going to be a layup. So mm-hmm. um, they were they were super hard to defend, and they were a great team. I mean, Kirsten Bell was on the team at the time, who obviously got drafted this past year. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a really hard fought game. I mean, I think we ended up winning by like twenty points, but it was one of those games where it didn't feel like it. Like it felt like it was closed the entire time, and you know that's how the tournament's supposed to be, obviously. Um, but playing Tennessee, that was that was something. I mean. They're, they haven't been the Tennessee of old in a little while, but still, like, you, you see Tennessee and you grew up watching them and, you know, Coach Pat Summit, you just, it's, it's just a surreal moment to be mm-hmm. able to play Tennessee, you know, to say that you, you played them and beat them and winning that game was, was awesome. I mean, we, we just went in with this underdog mentality knowing that, like, we were capable of it. And then Baylor, I mean, that one still gets me to this day, obviously losing in overtime um, hurts because we were right there. We were truly right there. Um, But I mean, the experience itself playing in a bubble in San Antonio was, was it was kind of awesome. Like it was not ideal, obviously (laughs) has to be in a bubble and Mm -hmm. have to get tested and not so many people could be there and so on and so forth. But 
I mean, it was like a huge AAU tournament. <laughs> so that was like cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is how they did it. Was uh, was so interesting. <laughs> Having to get tested right away. I mean, imagine that's stressful and under any circumstance. But you're in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Obviously, you want to be playing these games. So you guys are probably praying for a negative test every day. Oh, every time you hold your breath every time because. I mean, the false positives were a thing too. Yeah. So then, like, you're—it was just a mess. But yeah, <laughs> luckily, yeah. it was. And luckily, like both men's and women's final fours, I don't think any there were like any positive cases that took a player out, which would have been oh man, the news circuit would have uh, right. crushed that. So <laughs> it ended up pretty good, all things considered. Obviously, just great that you guys were able to play the tournament at all. And that Baylor game, in my opinion, was the game of the tournament. You probably won't feel that way because you were in it and lost <laughs> it. But I was rooting for you guys, and I still thought that was probably one of the best games. And they aired it on ABC, right? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty great. They don't really do they don't do many ABC games. I feel like for women's basketball. No, they don't. So after the Sweet 16, was it before or after the Sweet 16 game that you guys had like really scary flight issues? That was after the Sweet 16 on our way home um, because we were in the bubble. As soon as you lost, the NCAA was getting you on a flight that night to get mm. out of the bubble. <laughs> so um, they were like, yep, you guys are headed home. So we literally left our game, went back to the hotel, packed up our stuff, and got on a flight. Um, despite there being very bad thunderstorms on our path home. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So we, our plane ended up actually getting struck by lightning. So then we had to emergency land, but we had to like land very quickly. So the pressure changed very quickly and the masks ended up coming down. And, oh my God, you know, that's so scary. That was obviously not ideal, especially I'm like not the best person to fly with. I'm very scared of heights and not a big flyer. So it, oh, was, it wasn't fun. But yeah, once we emergency landed and then hung out in some airport in like Evansville, Indiana for six hours. We ended up getting home the next morning at like 8 a.m. Oh, my God. That's wild. It worked out, but. That's wild. I mean, you guys, you just lost this game. You obviously wanted to win. Your season's over, and then you have to experience that. Yeah. Or maybe it was a good thing that you experienced in a way where the game became like whatever. You guys are just hoping you survived that flight. I mean, that is a great point because, <laughs> I mean, there was girls in the team like making voicemails to family. Oh, God, that's so scary. I'm so sorry you went through something like that. You returned for senior year in 2022. Students are back in classes. Fans are back in the stands. That must have been such a welcome change. Yeah, it definitely was when things slowly started to get back to normal. Um, I mean, it was Michigan was was Michigan again in a lot of ways. Obviously, not completely normal, but things were definitely trending in the right direction. And you know, we were coming off you know a Sweet 16 run, so we had a lot of momentum, and we were really excited about the year. As you should be, and. You got a taste of being a starter at the end of 2021. You were not giving that up easily in 2022. You end up starting all 32 games, another historic season for Michigan. And in those 32 games, I think you played over 20 minutes every game. So take that, Coach barnes Rico. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're also team captain. That must have meant a lot to you. 
Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I think kind of what you alluded to earlier in the conversation about my involvement with like the leadership and whatnot in high school, like that was something that has always been important to me and um, something that's been a big part of who I am. So to be named captain, um, you know, alongside Nas was, was a really big honor and something that I'm very grateful for. Nice, nice. Big Ten, an absolute bloodbath, as I mentioned earlier this uh, for this season. I mean, Indiana, Iowa with Caitlin Clark, Ohio State, Maryland, every game was a battle. They were fun to watch. Was the was the Indiana game at home your favorite game of the season? Oh my gosh, it was it was one of the craziest games ever. That atmosphere that we were able to create in Chrysler was insane. I mean, our student section is called the Maze Rage, and, and they certainly showed out. And it was just, you know, we were able to experience the Maze Rage and the hype at every men's game. So, mm-hmm. you know, we knew what it was it was like to be a part of, but we didn't know what it was like to have that in our favor. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was awesome. I mean, the way that people rallied for us and, and truly played a role in that victory was, was awesome. Was that a sellout? I don't know if it was a complete sellout, but I would say it had to be close. Yeah, yeah. And was it a whiteout or a blueout? I feel like everyone was in the same color. Yeah, it was. It was one of. It was something. There were. Yeah. It was definitely something. I, I might know it was a maze out because we wore maze too. Oh, okay, okay. Out. All right, nice, nice. Yeah, that was a great game to watch. That was probably one of my favorite games to watch this season. Michigan is again a three seed in the tournament. You guys are coming for blood this year, right? You you went to the Sweet 16. You're trying to get back there. First two rounds, you beat American and Villanova. Very much upsetting my dad. He's a Villanova alum and uh, follows <laughs> both the men's and women's teams. So that was a bad loss for him. <laughs> yeah. So then it's back to the Sweet 16. How motivated was this team? I mean, we were extremely motivated. Being being able to host the first two rounds certainly was a lot of fun and fueled us to head to Wichita. Um, I mean, in Wichita, it was it was a home game for South Dakota. Um, True. The atmosphere there was it was insane. With you just walked in and it was all red, and we had our little family crowd behind us, just like this one little strip and the rest was red, but it was, it was ridiculous. It was, it was fun. And we were, we were new, we were capable of making it further. And that was the only thing on our mind was, you know, taking it one game at a time and getting better each game. And I think that we did that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a close game. Uh, Upset-minded, 10 seed South Dakota had the crowd. I don't think the lead was larger than six the entire game. I might be off by a couple points, but it was really close throughout. Yeah, no, it was it was close the entire game, and it was loud, and it was intense. But it was like, it's exactly what you want an NCAA tournament game to look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You win that game, on to the Elite Eight. Like I said in the opening, this is the furthest Michigan women's basketball has gone. And you're playing Louisville, who I think you, you had played early in the season and lost to, and had also lost to them a couple years prior in the tournament. So imagine you really want to win this one. Yeah, um, especially after the the embarrassment that happened in December, we we really wanted that one. Um, and we really were confident in ourselves that we could do it. 
Um, obviously, we fell short, but um, I think that game was extremely competitive as well, and we got it within two points with about three minutes to go um, and obviously fell apart down the stretch, but Louisville is a terrific team, very, very difficult to beat, um, mm. and I do not look forward to seeing them twice this year in the ACC as a graduate assistant. Oh, true, but... true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you guys had played, what was it, the ACC Big Ten Challenge earlier in the year and had gotten beaten yeah. pretty handily? Yeah. Not as bad as Notre Dame got got beaten, though, that year against them. (laughs) (laughs) That was hard to watch. Um, But anyway, yeah, you lose by 12. It's a closer game than that, right? You just mentioned you were only down two with a couple minutes left. You obviously have to foul and put him on the line. Yeah, obviously it's unfortunate. It's got to be double tough, right? Because you're a game away from the Final Four and you lose. That has to be painful. For you and a lot of other members of your recruiting class, it's the last game you play in a Michigan uniform. Yeah, <laughs> definitely was a tough one. Um, I think that because we were so confident in, you know, making it to the Final Four, I really, I truly did not have any doubt that, like, we were, we were going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, it didn't work out that way, um, but... Again, I mean, going to the Elite Eight was amazing, and I'm incredibly grateful for it. But like you said, being one game away from the Final Four, we, we all talked about it. We're like, even if we just made it to the Final Four and <laughs> lost to 100 by South Carolina, we don't care. At least we made it to the Final Four. <laughs> and if you had, you would definitely have not lost by 100. You guys are gritty. You no. definitely would have made that a game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's tough. And, you know, full circle, we get back to it. The press conference, you're, you're emotional. You say what you say. You end up on SportsCenter. Um, it's all over YouTube. So so what a night. Yeah. <laughs> did uh, did Coach Barnes Rico say anything about what you said? Um, I can't remember, honestly, because she was in the press conference. Like, me, her, and Nas, we were all just crying anyways. Mm-hmm. So in the moment, like, none of us really – None of us knew it until, like, it was posted everywhere. And, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's awesome, though. And so easy to root for, Danielle. Like, we we kept talking about in the world where transfers are so frequent, it's the easy option, in my opinion, to see someone stay and work for it, wait their turn, and when their moment does come, absolutely crush it. Just so inspiring to watch. Thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. Of course. And now I'm, I'm really interested in this next question I'm going to ask because the NCAA, they grant every athlete an extra year of eligibility if they want it. They don't have to take it. But you decide not to take it. Can you talk a bit about that decision and what led you to choose not to take it? Um, yeah, I think, you know, having the understanding that I wanted to pursue coaching, um, and obviously the GA route was the route that I had planned to take um, and finishing in the Elite Eight my senior year and having the senior year that I did, it just felt like the, the perfect time to kind of end things. You know, our class did what we did, and, and at that time that I made my decision, you know, I didn't really know what everyone else was going to do, um, but not being there with them would have been really difficult. Um, and, you know, so... I just felt passionately about starting up my coaching career and 
closing that chapter of my life on a high note. Mm, nice. So that's actually, you bring up an interesting point. Obviously, if you had taken a fifth year, you would have been a graduate student playing. So then it would have been a little bit tougher to get a graduate assistant role uh, at, at a program going forward. Yeah, potentially. So in your class, obviously, Nas Hillman goes to the WNBA. Um, the only one in your class so that is taking it is Amy Kaiser, I believe, right? I'm sorry, Emily Kaiser. Yep, Emily, yep. Okay, wow. So she's coming back. Leah Brown's coming back, but I know she wasn't really considered in your recruiting class. So they'll mm-hmm. still be good next year, but we'll definitely miss the likes of you, Dilk, and uh, Nas Hillman. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still going to be great and they're going to compete. And like we talked about earlier, the Big Ten is it's always going to be a dogfight every game. But I have a lot of confidence that they'll continue to lead Michigan basketball to new heights. Um, and I look forward to continuing to support the team and watch and cheer them on. Nice. Is uh, Maddie Nolan going to be a senior or is she going to be a junior? Senior. Okay. She's a spitfire. I like watching her play. <laughs> Yeah, that's my bestie. <laughs> uh, nice. She's great. <laughs> you leave Michigan women's basketball, a member of the most successful recruiting class in history. You won a lot of academic awards, you know, Big Ten, all Big Ten academics. You won the Michigan Female Outstanding Sportsmanship Award. So, so, so much to be proud of in such a well-rounded career. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So you're not leaving basketball. You're just uh, going to another conference, the ACC, with the Clemson women's team as grad grad assistant. How did that particular opportunity come up? Um, our former uh, director of player personnel, uh, Daniel Edwards, actually um, played at Clemson. Um, and so when I was looking for graduate assistant positions, I you know was just kind of trying to talk to a bunch of different people in schools and um Danny actually coaches at SMU now so I originally had hit her up um seeing if her and my one of our my former coaches as well coach Toya Wilson needed a graduate assistant and she was like no we don't but I know that Clemson does um so after kind of weighing a couple other options um and interviewing with Clemson and then you know them offering me the position I just I really liked um coach Butler and the staff and you know, having the chance to come back to the East Coast a little bit. Um, it really felt like a good opportunity for me. Yeah, I'm a big Amanda Butler fan. And uh, she's another easy, uh, she's another coach that's easy to root for. And I actually had now assistant coach Joy Smith on the podcast a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, they're great. They're really, they're really great. And I'm looking forward to, you know, helping turn Clemson women's basketball around and bring it to, you know, new heights in the upcoming years. Yeah. Going to, going to the ACC, you're going to play Louisville twice. You got Notre Dame in there, North Carolina, Duke, uh, the Syracuse. You, you'll uh, hopefully get to, to go home for that one. I don't know how the schedule lines up, if that's a home or away game, but that'll be yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So not as strong as the Big Ten, but still a really strong conference that you'll be a part of. Definitely. And what exactly will your role be, just sort of helping in every aspect? Yeah, I mean, the graduate assistant title is everything and anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. So coaching is in your future. Definitely, yep. Nice. So is it a dream to be a D- D1 head coach one day? Yeah. 
Nice. Well, I talking to you for this past hour, I believe that you'd make a great coach. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, of course. Danielle, I've had a blast on this podcast. I like to end it with a couple fun questions. How does that sound? Yeah, sure. All right. What TV show are you currently binge watching? Oh, I just finished Virgin River, um, but I think I might start Ozark. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. I, I know some people that watch Virgin River. That's on my list. Mm-hmm. Was that like five seasons now? It's got, it's been around a yeah. while. No, it just, just came out with four. Four. Okay. All right. Nice. All right. Next question. What's the most embarrassing song on your phone? Oh, uh, uh, I don't None of my friends will listen to this podcast probably unless I tell them about it and then they'll make fun of me. But what it do by Zaza. <laughs> that's a good one. I don't think that's, I don't think that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Final question. What is your favorite place in Ann Arbor, but it, it can't have anything to do with basketball. Um, geez. probably pizza house. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. Is that uh, in the downtown? Yeah, it is. It's it's open super late to like 4 a.m. So anytime, like they had everything and anything that you could want. Late night cravers. They had the <laughs> best ice cream sundaes. So good. <laughs> nice, nice. If I'm ever in Ann Arbor, I'll have to check that out. I don't I don't stay up till four, though. I'm, I'm past that yeah, point. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Danielle, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, Really enjoyed talking to you. Your story is truly inspirational, and I can't wait to see what you do in your coaching career. Definitely going to be watching some Clemson games coming up this year. (laughs) Thank you. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Danielle Roush. Hope you enjoyed it. Really great career at Michigan. She waited her turn and was ready when called upon can't wait to see what she's going to do at Clemson and beyond. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.